I know, um, being married as long as I have, just that this is something that's very, very important, and it's something that um, I know you you truly want to bless in our lives, and um, you want us to do it your way, God. So um, I pray that we just kind of maybe put some, any of our preconceived ideas or whatever aside, and um, we just really look at what your word has to say, God, and um, just thank you for everything that you've given us, and um, thank you for blessing us with all the relationships we have, because um, I know, especially in my life, I just don't deserve the ones I have, and I'm so very grateful for them. Um, thank you for Jesus and just sending us a perfect example of how we should live our lives, God. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, so we are technically um, talking about turning the tide in our dating relationships and holy dating. But we're also going to talk because dating eventually leads to marriage. So we will kind of hit on some of those things, too. So if you are married, you're not 100% left out of this. Um, and probably because I've been married for almost 20 years, I sometimes tend to go straight towards that. But one area for sure that we desperately need to turn the tide in is how we view relationships, especially in dating and marriage. Um, I've said it probably um, if you're in my ministry or if you've ever came and listened to anything that I've ever talked about when it comes to dating, marriage, relationships, um, I say it practically every single time, but the people who scream the loudest for how we should date, love, marry, have the highest throw-away marriage rate, have the highest divorce rate. They struggle the most with depression and substance abuse. Our celebrities, our media, our worldly view is constantly bombarding us with these ideas of how we should do love, how we should do relationships and marriage, and it just sometimes I literally just sit there and I'll see like, you know, like, oh, you should read this article about this celebrity couple because it's true love because they've been married for five years. And like in our society, that's like, oh my gosh, they've been married forever or their goals or whatever. And I'm just like, I look at that sometimes and I'm just baffled by that. I'm like, what? Why on earth? Like, I'm not going to follow a group of people who literally throw away marriage. Like it's you know, it's like a left, an old sandwich or whatever. Like, you know, cleaning out the fridge is the same thing as, like, cleaning out the relationships they have in their life. They're so depressed, constantly depressed, constantly turning to anything to, you know, fulfill it, always in rehab, always, you know, just going through these things. And then I look at, you know, all that that we're bombarded with constantly telling us these things. And then for a lot of us, it's the family life, too, that we come, we come from. You know, we have these parents that are telling us, well, this is what you should do for some of us. And we're looking at them, we're like, what? Like, what? Why, on, you know, why on earth would I do that your way as opposed to doing it God's way when your marriage has failed and your very miserable and you're bitter and you know all these other things but um unfortunately it's just it's something that we just naturally tend to go back to well this is what society and culture tells us oh this is what my family wants me to do this is what my friends tell me to do you know whatever it might be we look at it and we're like yeah those those are the kind of the ideas we should go to and it's so you know archaic and it's so old-fashioned or whatever to do things the way that God says but in reality if I look at it every single relationship dating relationship marriage even friendship that I look at that's like that's what I really truly want that's happy that's purposeful that's you know real goals 
they do things exactly the way God says to do them. They're so counterculture, it's not even funny. And so it really is important, I think, for us to, you know, sometimes when they're like, you're going to talk about dating, I'm like, oh, okay, because we haven't beat that horse to death. Like, we haven't talked about that over and over again. But then sometimes I look around and I'm like, okay, we haven't beat that horse to death yet. I have an almost 16-year-old daughter, and she's in the midst of dating and, you know, all that stuff. And I, man, it's like an everyday conversation that we have to have. Every day it's something new that I'm trying to teach her or show her. And then I have a 13-year-old son who's in middle school, and he's not dating. But every five minutes it's like, well, this girl, and that said this, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to start molding you now for this because it's going to be here before I know it. And soon I'm going to have two teenagers that are in the middle of all of this. And I just so desperately want them to do it God's way. I want them to get to enjoy a marriage like I've been able to enjoy and to, not be, and to be able to not have a lot of the pain and the hurt and the crap that a lot of their peers have and a lot of us went through growing up. So, you know, these are some of the ideas that were thrown at us. Love whoever you love. That's, like, huge right now. Love is love. You love who you love. You can't help who you love. You know, it can be, it could be girls. It could be... You know, well, I like this type of guy, and even though this may not, you know, be what people say I should, I like to find the, you know, the ones that need to be fixed or whatever. It can be, you know, someone who's in, you know, a married man. It could be a lot of different things that we find ourselves being told, well, that's okay because you can't help you, you love. Well, I know he's married and got kids, but... You know, if he meets your needs, then that's okay. And it's really sad, but, like, I've seen that happen in in church. It's not like it's one of those things that, I mean, yeah, on TV, it's just like, oh, well, it's okay, it's no big deal, like, blah, blah, blah. But, no, I've seen it happen with, like, people that I've been very close to, and it it breaks my heart. Um, The second thing is that your relationship is about you and only you and whoever you're with, and you answer to no one. You know, that's, that's pretty much, I think, our human nature tells us that, like, you are you, and you don't answer to anyone. You know, it's huge. Don't judge. I don't have any problems with whatever you choose to do in your life because it's you. Whatever I choose to do, that's me. Like, please don't say anything. Stay out of it. Um, It's funny because the older I get, the more I'm like, no, please, if you see something, you know, it's like the, the terrorism quote, if you see something, say something. Don't let something blow up in my face and not say something. Like, you know, um, you, learn, you learn the hard way, whereas, um, like I said, even like with my daughter, I'll be sitting there talking, and she'll be like, well, you don't know. I'll be like, don't you say. Don't you say. I don't know. Don't you say that I'm not, sh-, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, I know. You don't know. You don't know. You've lived 15 years on this life. I've lived with a man for almost 20 years. I know. Like, I know. You don't know. And, um, and she'll be like, okay, I, you don't know him. And I'm like, don't say I don't know him because I know him. First, I know his older brother or I know this, this dad or whatever. But I'm like, no, I know him. I know everything that's going on right now or whatever. And she's, she's a good girl. I'm what, not whatever. But, you know, it's even like, you know, be like, oh, well, this or that. Like, but, you know, it is really important that we do have people in our lives that are, are you know, are saying the things. It's not just about me. Um, 
It's, uh, if things don't work, that people are disposable. Man, the biggest lie that I think that we are fed is that like relationships are disposable. If something is hard, you give up on it. That is actually the biggest thing that I have to fight with with my kids. They're like, oh, this is hard. Yeah, I'm done. And I'm like, no, someday you're going to be married and you're going to have a fight or they're not going to be perfect or they're going to do something you don't like. They're, they're a human being created by God. They're not disposable. Like, you have to work, work things out. Um, you know, um, and then just the, just the kind of that idea that for us girls, it's so, you know, so silly or whatever if you save yourself or you protect your, you know, your purity or whatever, that there's something wrong with you. Like, I almost can't even stand to watch sitcoms anymore because it's like, girl, you got to sleep with him on the first date. Or what you've been with, I literally watched a show the other day and they're like, you've been with him for two weeks and you haven't had sex with him yet? And I'm like, that's so sad that that's like what what's, we're forced on our throat. Like, I, oh, there's something wrong with me because I'm not going around and like sleeping with, with someone, you know? I was reading a bunch of articles um, and doing a, a bunch of research before I came here. And one of the biggest things that I read was like this, the saddest thing is that we, um, that we, we, become intimate with someone before we make a commitment to someone. And the way that God intended it was that we make a commitment to someone and then we grow in our intimacy with them. But for some reason we are taught, like, you should be 100% completely intimate, not just sexually, emotionally, um, you know, vulnerable-wise with, with someone before you make a commitment to them. And that's just, that just sets us up for a lot of heartache. That sets us up to just... You know, there's only so much of us that we can give. We can give, and I 100% believe in God's forgiveness, and I 100% believe in true repentance, and it allows us to be, you know, to become new again, like He said. But that doesn't mean that we we don't still deal with that stuff. Like I said, I've been married for almost 18 years, been with the same person for almost 20. I still to this day carry those scars and those wounds from. 16, 17 years old, you know, that I'm like, man, I wish I would have had somebody to show me how to do this God's way back then, because even though things are good now, they, you know, that's why God says not to do things, you know, not his way. So um, we're going to look at um, Nehemiah 13. It's going to be our main passage. I'm going to have a lot of other scriptures. Some I'm going to read and some I'm just going to throw at you. So if you're like a big want to write everything down and you'll have to look some of this up later because I just simply don't have enough time. But I also wanted to make sure that I had a lot of scripture because too often we're told like the Bible's really quiet on the subject. Well, it's not. <laughs> so I do want to have a lot of scripture, but we won't be able to get through all of it out loud. But our main scripture that we're going to go to is uh, Nehemiah 13, 23 through 27. And I have this in the International Children's Bible. It's my favorite to read. I'm a pretty good reader. I have a pretty high reading level. And I always go back to, like, the most basic versions because, I don't know, I just like it to be simple. Um, In those days, um, I saw the men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half their children were speaking the language of Ashdod or some other place. They couldn't speak the language of Judah. I argued with those people. I put curses on them. I hit some of them and pulled out their hair. I forced them to make a promise to God. I said, do not let your daughters marry the sons of foreigners. Do not take the daughters of foreigners as wives for your sons or yourselves. 
Foreign women make King Solomon of Israel sin. There was never a king like him in all the nations. God loved Solomon. God made him king over all of Israel, but foreign women made Solomon sin. And now you are not obedient when you do this, do this evil thing. You are unfaithful to our God when you marry foreign wives. <laughs> I read that, I'm like, it sounds so harsh, right? Like, it's like, he's like, don't do it you are evil. Like you are, these women are going to cause him, you to sin. Like if you marry this foreigner, this, this person who doesn't have the same, um, have the same, serve the same God as you, follow the same set of principles as you, then, you know, he's like, I'm going to shave your head. I looked it up. He didn't actually pull their hair. They shaved their heads, I guess called plucking. And it was like a shameful thing that they did at the time when someone was just being so sinful. And they were literally, physically trying to stop these people because it was such a big mistake. And so the the first thing that we need to look at is I must realize that God says that it's a really big deal. Like who I am with, who I choose to put myself around, who I choose to be in some of the most intimate relationships is a big deal. We just like to act sometimes like, well, it's just not that big a deal. Like he's a nice guy or we're just really good friends and, you know, maybe a little more or whatever. But it is a super, super big deal. The Bible has very specific commands on who we should be with and how we should live our lives and how we should conduct ourselves purity-wise and temptation-wise because it's a really big deal. Ask anyone who's been married for any amount of time, is it a big deal who you chose to marry or was it just some, eh, it could have been anybody. The longer they're married, the more they're going to tell you, it's a really freaking big deal. (laughs) Don't pretend like it's not. Like, right now, you're like, oh, but I might have to wait longer to find someone if I don't, whatever. Well, look at that time, and then look at 60, 70 years of your life with the same person. If you stay married, and in our culture, that, it's like less than a 50% chance now. Like, and then you have all that heartache, and then you got to go right back to the drawing board again. Like, it's a huge deal. Literally only have two points, because the first one is, is it's a big deal. You look at um, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and then 7 through 19. It's all commands about being pure, the seriousness of sexual sin, instructions regarding marriage. I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. So, so then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus to keep living the way you already are and even do better in how you live and please God, just as you learn from us. You know the instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. God's will is that you live your life that you live your lives are dedicated to him. This means that you stay away from sexual immorality and you learn how to control your own body in a pure and respectable way. Don't be controlled by your sexual urges like the Gentiles who don't know God. No one should mistreat or take advantage of their brother or sister in this issue. The Lord punishes people for all these things, as we told you before and sternly warn you. God didn't call us to be immoral, but to be dedicated to him. Therefore, whoever rejects these instructions isn't rejecting a human authority. They are rejecting God who gives us his Holy Spirit to you. I love the end because so often I will sit down and I will talk to people, girls especially, about your boundaries and about what you're doing. And they're like, you, you. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're not disobeying me. You're you're not listening to God. 
This is not, oh, Hannah put a rule on you that you, sh- you know, that you shouldn't do this. God tells you, you, how can we read this and be like, it's not really that big a deal. It's a big deal. He tells us over and over again, like, do not be controlled by this. Be very, very vigilant in the way that you, you handle, you know, your, your temptations, your sexual urges. Um, I'm, I'm a huge, I mean, I'm, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying, but like, sex is great. Um, I love it. I, anyone who, like me and my husband, we're very, very vocal about it, especially with our children. And they'll look at us and we're like, no, we want you to know, like, sex isn't gross. We're not anti-sex. We're not anti-this. Like, sex between a husband and a wife is amazing. And it's great. And I love it. And, you know, all that comes with it. But it is really, really important for us to keep it in the confines of the way that God designed it. And too often, too many of us, we just act like that's not that big a deal. It's not. It's, it's, you know, it's like, and I was one of those girls. I was one of those girls that grew up going to church my whole life and was good, but I did not have really good, strong boundaries on myself. And I look back now and I'm like, man, I so wish, I so wish I would have been able to do that. Um, you know, it's, he says that, it says that we'll be punished for these things, you know, that, that he called us to make sure that we're living a life that's dedicated to him. And it's not possible for us to do both. And I think too often we try to juggle both of them. We're like, well, I can still live a life that's, I can still be a Christian. I can still be godly and still, you know, mess around or do this or not be like extremely, you know, protective of my purity and you can't. I'm not saying it. God's word saying it. Um, you look at Proverbs 6, 20. Um, um, and then it goes through 7 through 27, but I'm just going to take 24 through 27 part. It says, now children, listen to me and pay attention to my speech. Don't turn your heart to her ways. Don't wander down her path. She causes many corpses to fall. She has killed many people. Her, path, her house is a path to, to a grave, going down to the chambers of death. Here's where they're warning men to stay away from those of us who are the pursuers, the those of us that are the teases and the whatever. And that I was that girl. I was the one. It wasn't, I cannot stand when I go to dating classes and they're like, girls, don't sit there and let all those guys take advantage of you because that's all they want. And you sweet, innocent little things who don't have any sexual urges, but you just do it because you just want a guy to think you're pretty. That's not true. And we know it. I'm not saying that's not part of it because there are parts of us that it does fulfill an emotional you know, whatever that we have. But a lot of us are the pursuers. A lot of us at times have been the ones that are, that have been the, come on, come on. And I read this and it, it makes me sick to my stomach. I'm not, I was that girl that God warned people to stay away from because it was a chamber to death. It's a big deal. James 1, 13 through 15 says, no one who is tested should say, God is tempting me. This is because God is, <clears throat> is not tempted by any form of evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Everyone is tempted by their own cravings. They are lured away and enticed by them. Once those cravings conceive, they give birth to sin. And when sin grows up, it gives birth to death. Even if you're married, there are still temptations for sexual sin. Obviously, look around. Look at the infidelity. I, my parents are divorced because of infidelity. Like, 
a lot of times we're like, well, this is a problem now, but as soon as I get married, me and Carrie do a crap ton of premarital counseling, and the number one thing we say is, you need to make sure that you are getting a handle on this now because it will not just go away and get all better when you get married. Like something I even tell my daughter now is, is married women sometimes will have, you know, the husband won't be meeting, you know, maybe their emotional needs or be telling them all the things they want. And some guy will come around and say all the right things. And the next thing, no, they're in an emotional affair or they're in a physical affair that comes from that. It's very, very easy to do. As a married woman, I have very strict boundaries on myself. I won't ride alone with guys in a car. And I mean, I am talking about guys that I would never in a million years be like, ooh, yeah, I want to. I mean, mean, Ben Ben Mullins used to live with us, and he's totally like a brother to me. And I do not see him that way at all. But when Carrie would go out of town, I'd be like, Ben, I'd really like you to go stay someplace else because I just don't want us to be staying in the same house, whatever. And people would be like, that's really dumb, Hannah. Like, you're going a little too overboard. And I'm like, well, for me, I know nothing could ever happen between me and another man if I'm with anybody else. So, like, I'm not that bold. So, if I never put myself in that position, if I never put myself in an area to be tempted in that way, then then it's not going to happen. Because God tells me to take that temptation very, very seriously. I don't want to ever be the reason that something like that happens in my marriage. So I need to make sure that I am being almost nitpicky with my, you know, with, with the things that I choose because I would really honestly err on the side of protecting this, the sanctity of my marriage. I would rather you guys err on the side of protecting your purity, protecting. I love that verse. It's like, none of you should like, you know, cause any harm to your brother and sister. You know, the Bible says, like, when you sin against yourself, when you sin sexually, it's not just, you know, you're sinning against your own body, but, like, we also, we hurt other people. You know, one thing that uh, we always say to, like, when people are dating and they're like, I'm really struggling with this, is something that was said to me when I was dating was, is if you look at that person that you're dating and you say, I love this person so much, I want to present them to God as pure and holy, it's really hard to see that person as someone that you want to take advantage of. Because you're like, I can't want to present them to God as pure and holy, but then also look at what I can get out of them and and cause them to sin. And it really was a really good wake-up call for me. Um, the next three I'm just going to reference, and you can look them up, but Romans 13, 8 through 14, it just talks about loving one another, not looking to please yourself, making sure that you're doing what you can to build other people up. You know, if you truly care about someone, then you're going to make sure that you not only make strict boundaries for yourself, but you're going to want them to have the best relationship with God. You're not going to want anything to come in the way to stumble them or anyone else that is watching you. Um, and then 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2 just talks about like how single women should be treated with absolute purity. Titus 2, 1 through 8 just talks about young men and young women, how they should focus on self-control and godliness. Self-control, godliness, they go hand in hand. Like I said, too often we try to juggle the two and be like, you know what? Like these things, they're not that big a deal. Like, you know, this or that. But it, it really is. It is a big deal. Um, and the second thing that I need to do is I need to understand that it's not about my desires. I think 
the, um, sorry, I'm a walker, but I gotta stay here because my little microphone's out. Um, one of my favorite people to listen to is Francis Chan, and he wrote a marriage book called You and Me Forever, but I totally uh, suggest that anyone read it if you are in any way, shape, or form interested in ever being married or just being in a good relationship. Because the whole point of the book, and he'll even come out, like I listened to some of his podcasts about it, is he was like, I just got really sick and tired of marriage books that were like, how can I be happy in my marriage? How can we be happy? How can we make each other whatever? And he's like, and then I'd be asked to go do dating things. And it was like, how can we have a, you know, and he was like, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about what God wants. And if you're if your main focus is about pleasing God and doing God's work, I love that he was like, me and my wife don't have enough time to fight because we're too busy doing what God tells us to. So when other people are like fighting over stupid stuff, he's like, we might have that, but we're like, yeah, we don't have time to fight over that. We're doing this stuff. Like we're doing this important stuff. We're doing the eternal stuff. And it is, that book is so good. Even for talking about like raising kids and stuff, you know, he's like, you can make it about the kids and being the best mom or dad you can, or you can make it about your family serving God wholeheartedly. And you will be amazed at like, you know, where the, where the child rearing goes. And I couldn't agree with him more. You look at John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That is in every area of our lives. If we say the Bible is true and God knows what he's talking about, and the be- what I need to do is follow God's word. If we look at people and we're like, I want their life. They have a good marriage. They have good relationships. They're very influential. Look and see if they are following God's commandments. Because I guarantee you that they are. Because I have yet to find anyone who has a relationship that I'm like, I want that. I want that family where they disobey what God says. You maybe you have, but I guarantee you, if you see that, it's all a facade on the outside. I guarantee you, it's what they portray to you. It's the Instagram filter family, because I have <laughs> I have so many friends, and they will post these things on there, and I'm like, that's a beautiful picture of your family, but I actually work out with you at a gym, and I happen to know that it, that is not what it really is. And not to say that we all don't have our own dirt and our own crap, and I fight with my husband, and I have whatever, but it's not the same thing. You know, so if I really love God, and you really want to please God, then I'm going to do what he says, and that means in my dating relationships. That means keeping myself holy and pure. That means being very, very careful who I align myself with. And that comes to the next verse that we're going to look at. Philippians 2, 2 through 4, 15 through 16. Complete my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united, agreeing with each other. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility, think of others better than yourselves. Instead of each person person watching out for their own good, watch out what is better for others, so that that way you may be blameless and pure, innocent children of God, surrounded by people who are crooked and corrupt. Among these people, you shine like stars in the world because you hold on to the word of life. This will allow me to say on the day of Christ that I haven't run for nothing or worked for nothing. I don't think any of us want on the end to be like, well, that was a waste. I worked my butt off for what? Like, no, I want it to be like, hey, that, it was hard work. 
It, at times it wasn't pretty, but man, look at the awesome end result of it. And when he says these things, like complete my joy, th- find, think the same way, have the same life, be united, agree with each other, be together on purpose. What more important relationship to have that with than the person that is going to be my partner for the rest of my life? Sometimes I look at ladies and they're like, I, I want to be with this person. And I'm like, you don't have the same love for God. You're not united in your purpose. You guys don't agree with following and listening to what God's word says. You guys both haven't submitted yourself under, in, to God. Like, what on earth do you guys have in common? If I want to shine like a star next to all the crooked and corrupt people, then I have to hold on to what God's word says. I don't want it to be like, that's the one thing that I am the most grateful for is, man, I know my partner in life is also my partner in the mission that God put in front of me. You, it can't, you can't have two separate things. Paul says that it would be better for us to stay single and focused on God's mission than be distracted by something that's going to pull us away from it. Why on earth would you guys give up anything for someone who is not 100% on the same page as you spiritually? I, I just don't get it. Like, oh, I want to try to fight. It's hard enough to fight to have a really good, passionate relationship with God. But then to not have the number one person in your life be right there as a, as a support, a help, accountability. It, I just don't get it. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't make logical sense for us to, but sometimes we let our own desires get in there and we're like, but maybe I don't see that right in front of me right now. And I get it. I was being in campus ministry for 18, 19 years now. There are times when I do look at my girls and I'm like, I feel bad for you because the, the, (laughs) the picking is slim right now. And you're not, you know, whatever. But too bad. It doesn't mean that we get to disobey God because, well, I want something right now. Like, I've seen too many girls give up their relationship with God because it was like, well, the, the pick and slim right now. Or like, well, nobody's interested in me. And then I'll see a girl go off and date a total D-bag and whatever, and a guy will come up and be like, man, I, a good guy than me, I'll be like, I really kind of had a crush on her and I kind of whatever but I was just waiting to see what was going to happen there and I'm like well there you go and he's like but if she's going to go just hook up with some guy like that because whatever then she probably isn't the kind of godly woman I want to align myself with and I just want to go up and do what he did in the beginning verse and just kick him and be like what what's wrong with you like you know don't do those things um I read a I read a um a quote um, online from um, a lady's blog, and she said, focus on the harvest and you're bound to find a helper. Instead of making it your mission to find someone and get married, make, it your, mission, make your missions God and advance the gospel where you are and look for someone who's also pursuing the same. Right? Like, I'm, okay, I work out. I do CrossFit five, six days a week. Um, my husband does not. <laughs> and I'm always trying to be like, they do, we do these things, um, the comps, competitions, and a lot of times it's like a male and a female. 
So I'm always like, Carrie, you should come and join because we could do comps together. Like, I'm like a weights person and he's like the bar, like he can do like pull-ups and handsome push-ups and anything gymnastic-y. He can just literally just jump up on a bar and do it. Like he's almost 40 years old and it's, it, it angers me because he literally never goes to the gym. And so I look at him, I'm like, ha, ah, but you know how frustrating and empty-handed I come up every time it's time for a comp? Because I'm trying to convince someone who's not on the same page as me to come do a CrossFit comp with me. And he's like, but I don't do it. And I'm like, I know, but it would be really fun. Like, no. Like, he doesn't motivate me to work. You know who, you know where I usually end up having to go to find a partner? To the gym that I work out in. To the people that are on the same path as me, that are training with me every day, who like, who are doing the same thing. That's who I go to. I don't have my accountability partner for my workout be like someone who's like likes to shop and doesn't ever work out and like gets their hair and nails done. I don't call into those people and be like, I worked out today. They'd be like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, or like, I'll be like, my snatch, I hit my snatch, it's like 125. And they're like, your snatch is 120, what? And I'm like, it's a weightlifting move. Don't worry about it, you know, or whatever. But like, there are girls in, that do come and I'm, I'm like, my snatch, I hit one. I haven't hit 125. I don't know why I said that. That was a dream. I hit 115. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, good job, you know, or whatever. But it's like, why on earth would I go and try to find someone to be my partner if they're not on the same page as me? However, if I'm out and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm making God's mission my mission and my main goal is to be the most godly woman I can, obey God even when it sucks. And guys, I know it flipping sucks sometimes. I know it sucks to sit around and wait. I know it sucks to sometimes be like, I thought he was something and he wasn't. I know it sucks sometimes to be like, but this is what I'm attracted, who I'm attracted to, or this is where I go. But God says, no, I know it sucks. And my heart breaks. I literally, some of you in here, I've cried over and I've prayed and whatever. And I don't understand sometimes why God says no. But all I know is that it's not about me. And I have to choose to be obedient even when God says no. God says no to all of us in different areas. You know, I have a sister that struggles with infertility. And sometimes I look at it and I'm like, why? Why did four teenage girls just get pregnant? And my sister, who is like, literally was taking like high school girls like off the street and moving them into her home and like raising them in like a two bedroom house. Like, why does she struggle so much? Why does she have all these? You know, I look at it and like, I don't know why. She has to choose to be faithful. She has to choose to be obedient in that area of her life, just like we have to choose to be obedient and faithful when it comes to this area of our life. Someday, you guys, most of you will be married. And guess what? He's not going to be everything that you ever hoped and dreamed 24-7. And you know what? Even when they're really good godly men, there's going to be times when you have to choose to do the right thing and be godly and obey God, and be a light, even when they're not. Even when they, you're like, literally looking like, what did I do? Like, I understand why Paul said that. It'd be way easier to be single right now. Like, 
you know, sometimes I always tell girls, I'm like, when you're single, your biggest problem in life is that you don't have a husband. And then when you're married, your biggest problem in life is that you do have a husband. <laughs> like, oh, if I had a husband, then this and this. And then I'm like, well, I would have been here on time. My husband's like, you're late. And I'm like, I would have been here on time. But I had to clean up someone's clothes off the floor. And I had to do this, you know, whatever. And I'm like, it's all you. It's all your fault. And there are literally days when I daydream more about not having a husband than I ever did about having one. Because my simple selfish desires take over and that's and at my core I am a selfish person at my core I do go to those things instead of being like this isn't about me I have to choose to do the right thing regardless I'm gonna look at um second corinthians 6 um we're gonna start in verse 3 he said we do not put a stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited and I really love that first part because I think at our core, a lot of us really want our ministries to grow. We want our ministries to be influential. We want our ministries to be the ones that we look at and we're like, people's lives were changed. Like, that was me. I was that girl. Now here she comes. That, you know, this is the next generation of the girls, you know, that, that I reached out to, that I was friends with, like, when I was in campus. Like, now there's, you know, you know, I look at just different girls. I'm like, I want that. I don't want my ministry to be discredited. It says, rather as servants of God, we can commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, in sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we lived on, beaten and not killed, sorrowful yet also always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet we possess everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but, we, but you are withholding yours from, out, from us. As in fair exchange, I speak to my children. Open wide your hearts also. As one of the old people here, I really connect with that last part. Because I just wish that I could just, like when he's like, but you pulled back from me, even though like I'm sharing openly with you. I've literally had conversations with girls in my campus ministry. Um, Sarah is one of them, and she said I could talk about this. She's actually working with the youth now. But she was supposed to get married this last June, and I'm not kidding when I say it. it, I don't know if it would have lasted a year. It was horrible. He lived with me. He was a liar. He was so dishonest. He was so lazy. He, I mean, besides just the regular stuff of like couldn't keep a job and couldn't pay his bills and stuff like that, super manipulative always just wanted to use her for sexual stuff and then was like don't tell people like was so manipulative was like almost 10 years older than her so it was very, it was really unhealthy and it mean it got to a point where I was like as a mother figure in your life I will I was like supposed to be a bridesmaid in her wedding I was like I will not be in your wedding I will not stand up there next to you and pretend like yay this is a good thing because it's not like your life is going down a horrible path and I'm I'm desperate I got to a certain point where I didn't care if what I said hurt her feelings I mean we had like hard talk after hard talk after hard talk after hard talk and there were times when she would just sit there and stare at me and then literally when I would get done she'd be like okay so where you want to go eat and I'm like 
are you for real? Like, no, no, it's not okay. And then I'd be like, I'm not having this conversation with you again. I'm done. I've said it. And then like two days later, God would be like, don't let her, Hannah. Don't let her do it. You know, you know, this is a bad path. You don't want to watch somebody like that. And it's just, I look at this and when, when he's talking and he's like, I speak to you as children, like open your hearts and listen. Don't shut me out. Like that is what I'm begging for you guys. If you have people in your life that are like, this is not good. This is not right. Like, please don't do this. Or like, you know, your relationship is not one that, you know, is mainly focused on God. I want something better for you. Our natural reaction is to shut off and to shut back. But I really do want you to look at people like, and that's what I tell my girls. I'm like, I'm going to talk to you like I would talk to my own daughter. Because if I didn't love you, I would just let you go off and do whatever the heck you wanted with whoever the heck you wanted to. And I'd be like, hey, my problem at the end of the day. And I literally would say this girl, at the end of the day, I'm going home to a good man with a good family. So if he didn't really love you, I wouldn't waste my breath saying these things to you. And I just look at Paul and I know that exasperated feeling sometimes of like, please just listen, please, I'm begging you. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what, do fel- or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and, Bel- and Belia? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. I know that we can sit here and be like, tit for tat, or you know this or that, or I can't, whatever. But the Bible says that even if everything's permissible, not everything's beneficial. And I am telling you, as an old married woman, find yourself a godly, passionate, on-fire disciple who obeys God and loves God more than he loves you. I am begging you for the love of all that is good and holy. I don't care how attractive he is. I don't care what he says to you. I don't care how long you've had to wait. It is not worth it. Not only because the Bible says, what do you have in common with this person? Like, you, you cannot be light and also be with darkness. Like, it... It's it, it just, God says it can't happen. I am telling you as a person who has lived this out to please listen to what God has to say. Like I said, I did a bunch of research and I read a bunch of blogs and one person was like, I know, I know half of you are ticked off at me now, but I want you to ask yourself, why are you mad? Are you mad because you don't like what it has to say? Because a lot of times when I get mad, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like TC's lesson about bitterness, he started bringing up his dad. Whoa, that's a sin. I don't want to forgive my dad. So as soon as he was like, and then I have to, I was like, don't go there. No. And I like tried to find what I love TC. Like he was one of my closest friends. I tried to start to find ways to pick apart what TC was saying and how he was wrong. Because he didn't like it because like he said, I like that bitterness. I like to hold on to that anger. My dad wronged me. He screwed me. He's, you know, he doesn't deserve my forgiveness. We also do that in er- probably one of the biggest areas in our life is who we're in relationships with. No, that's not exact. Well, no. Light, darkness. They don't go together. I'm telling you, I can probably pull girl after girl after girl who is now married woman after married woman after married woman who even married a Christian man who's like, I am so frustrated because... He will not lead our family. 
he is not passionate. He doesn't care. And I'm like, I, I know it's frustrating, but like, remember when we had this conversation before and you didn't want to listen? Now there's nothing we can do. And it's really, really sad to, you know, to, to kind of have those conversations, but that's the awesome thing about what we're doing here is for a lot of you, it's not too late. Now, I'm going to flip this to the other side because I know some of you in my ministry are going to be like, yep, that's right. Nobody's ever going to be good enough for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're a sinner, and anyone you marry will also be a sinner because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you are looking for a sinless man who will hit every single point on your superficial list, that also does not exist. And we cannot be so self-righteous and so harsh and so unforgiving that we don't see good godly men in front of us and support them and love them and take care of them. There's a lot of girls here. There's a, lot, there's a few women here today that are married to really good godly men that at first were like, mm. and we're like, but you're not seeing the most important thing. You're, yeah, you're seeing some flaws here. You're seeing some struggles here. But the most important thing is that he loves God and he's pursuing a relationship with God and he will lead you and he will love you and be faithful to you. And I, you know, now they're all like, oh yeah, I'm really glad that that's the path I chose. He was the man of my dreams. I just didn't know it because I was just being so, you know, women. We were being us. <laughs> we're either one way or the other. We're either like, oh, it's all fine. Or we're like, no one will ever be good enough for me. Like, and I'm like, well, you're not that great. Okay, like you have your crap too. <laughs> and sometimes I know some of you guys do hear these lessons and you're like, that's it. Like, I'm no, none of them. And I'm like, no, there are, there are good guys out there. There are godly men out there. It may not be exact, like, the two guys I dated before Carrie, one was 6'9", and I don't even know how much he weighs because I'm really bad at it, but he was a center in basketball, and he was a big dude. And the other guy was, like, six foot and probably, like, 220. They both, like, one went to state for, like, track and field and whatever. And then I met Carrie, and, I mean, he's little now. Like, the first time I hugged him, I was like, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my hands? Because every guy I'd ever hugged had been like this. And I remember I was like, we just now switched places to where he outweighs me. But that was a huge deal for me. It was dumb. Like, I look back on it now, I'm like, for real? But when we first got together, I was like, or when he first pursued me, I was like, you're way too short. You're, I mean, he looked like a child. Like, I will not let him shave his beard. Because I'm like, no, I look 12. You shave your beard. Like, nope, the beard stays. You know, this, you know, this and this. Like, whatever. But, like, oh, man, he wore, like, really big baggy hoodies and stuff. And I was like, oh, babe, no. Like, I know you're from Alton, but no. And it was just, we were complete and utter opposite opposites. Like we didn't have the same thing. Like we don't have the same taste in music. We don't, you know, whatever. But thank God, God brought somebody into my life who was the opposite of me personality wise and everything else. And then we did finally switch weights. Um, but you know, for all those years, it was just like, oh my gosh, like you're just totally nothing. I would pick physically at first. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, you've gotten so much better with age. You're so attractive, you know, but a lot of that has to do with and I think he has gotten better looking with age. I'll show you pictures of him when we mess that. But, um, but the thing about it is, is like, it's his spiritual side. 
Like, the, I felt like, oh, no, no, no. And then I went and I sat and I heard him do a lesson for small group. And then I was like, mm-hmm. Like, and it was just like that. Because I was like, I've never met a guy like that before. i never seen anyone that passionate about God. And still to this day, you can ask anybody in here who knows us, we throw down. We are, we are not like, I look at these people like, oh, babe, oh, babe, I love you. We are not that couple. You will not see us writing really long, sappy things to each other on social media. Like, we're just, we're just not. Like, we have ways to grow. But I can tell you, like, I, God knew exactly what he was doing by giving me somebody who, who challenges me, encourages me. And maybe they're not whatever, but it's important in dating that we look at, like God says, like, look at the heart. Man looks at the outside. God looks at the heart. And, and it's been really encouraging to kind of see that happen, too. Um, so, um, oh, my thing's not moving. Okay, so um, just to kind of end us up really quick, I have a few questions that, um, that I think that is important for us to ask ourselves. And, and just say, am I asking the right questions when it comes to dating? The first one is, I must go from asking, is he the one to am I the woman? The very most important thing that I need to do is I can't expect and ask God to bless me with a good godly man if I'm not being a good godly woman. And I don't mean good. I mean, like, am I growing? Am I that imperfect progress? Am I that I'm a sinner, uh, but I'm surrendered to God, and I'm striving daily to put God first? And like I said, be on that mission to help change other people's lives because if I'm not, then God's not going to be like, yeah, here you go. Why? Why would he? You know, um, am, I the kind of, am I the kind of woman that a godly man looks at and is like her? She may not normally be my physical type, maybe. Maybe, you know, I would normally do this or do that. But he looks at you and he's like, I can't let her go. Like, she's such a godly woman. She's going to help me grow, you know, all these other things. Um, if, if I can honestly look and be like, no, I'm not, then I, right now, my first thing needs to not be worrying about dating. It needs to be worrying about me getting my right, my life right with God. And that is a conversation that me and my daughter had for about two hours last night. I was like, I know you broke up with your boyfriend and whatever, but right now is your time to work on you and God and heal and work through some of the stuff. Some of your relationship, honestly, it brought to light some struggles and weaknesses we didn't know you had. Now it's time to attack that, you know? And, and like I said, I'm super proud of her, and she's super purposeful and very mature and everything. But even in her life, I'm like, you know, this gives you a good opportunity to not worry about the, him or them, but worry about, am I doing what I need to do? You know, be looking around, um, you know, look at the Proverbs 31 woman. Look at Titus 2, 3 through 5. Look at 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. Look at what the Bible has to say about what a godly wife is. Um, I do not have a perfect marriage. Like I said, we can throw down. I can, my sinful nature comes rearing its ugly head sometimes. And in order for me to have a better marriage, have a better relationship, uh, I don't need a better husband. I don't even need to be a better wife. I need to be a better disciple. When I am doing what God tells me to do, and I am focused on, on repenting from my crap and trying to change it, I am automatically a better wife. 
I, we really rarely read marriage books, I'm going to be honest with you. And the marriage book that is our favorite basically says, stop worrying about trying to meet each other's needs and just be the kind of disciples that God calls you to be because the Bible tells you to put other people's needs first. The Bible tells you not to be selfish. The Bible says to be humble. You know, So if I'm doing those things and I'm allowing women in my life to hold me accountable in, in all areas of my life, then I'm a better wife. I'm a better mom. I'm a better friend. Like, it, it, it encompasses everything. We try to put, we try to compartmentalize things, and we need to not. Sometimes I just need to be like, I just need to be a good disciple. Because you know what? I, I can say and do whatever I want, but it's not going to make all of his stuff go away. But it will encourage him. And my husband will say that when I see you, man, in your word, reading like crazy, when I see you attacking this stuff, it challenges me to be different. And, and that happens in other people's lives, too. Um, I, I need to begin to ask myself what, call, what qualities will make my relationship more like that of Christ in the church. Again, like I said, the most perfect example that he says that we have is the way that God loved the church. And if I can look and I can, do my, and I can focus my relationship on how Jesus treated people and acting like that and having a relationship like that, then I'm bound to have a good relationship. Jesus didn't use people Jesus didn't look at what he could get from people. Jesus loved people. He cared about them. He forgave them. Um, but he also, he also was sinless. He also, you know, didn't give in to temptation. I look at those areas, too, and see. Um, and then, you know, what kind of qualities should I be looking for in someone that I'm dating and for an eventual husband? I'm not saying you have to marry everyone, you know, you date, but please don't date someone that you'd be like, oh gosh, I would never marry him because you marry who you date. And, um, and if you're unsure of some of those characteristics, then make sure that you're getting in your word and looking up what is, you know, look at what are the qualifications of an elder. You know, what are, what are the things that the Bible tells men to be like? Not so that you can be like, you know, they need to be all those things, but I don't have to be. But you do want to look and be like, okay, is he striving to be that? Is he doing those things? Because if he is, then yeah, those are, you know, then that is someone that you want to pursue. Um, and these are uh, four questions that I want you guys to go home and ask yourself if you are in a dating relationship or you're considering getting there. The first one is generally speaking, will you be able to serve God better together or apart? Sometimes I sit there and I talk to girls and I'm like, I don't know if I should be in this relationship. I'm like, do you serve God better together? Or would you, be able, would you be serving God better apart from them? If they don't care about a relationship with God, then you're probably not going to be serving better together. I'm not saying give up on them in a spiritual sense. If, you have, if there's a guy there, he's interested in you, or maybe even been in a relationship with him, I have seen it happen where the girl breaks up with the guy gets him in with good godly men, and that guy becomes a Christian. That, that's fine, but we can't pretend like, oh yeah, I can still be in this relationship with him, even if he's completely ungodly, and I'm, we're serving God better together. Does this relationship spur me on in my discipleship? Does it, it, or does it just dull and distract me from my interest in the Lord and his, and, and his people? Am I more or less eager to study God's word? Do I pray more because I'm in a relationship with this person? Do I give myself more? In, am I more serving or am I less? 
It's really, sometimes people look, I don't know if I should be in this relationship with this person. Well, ever since you start dating them, you stop serving. You don't care about ministry. You don't care about other people. Are you in your word? No, not really. I'm like, well, I think the, the answer is pretty clear then. Um, this, and I know you guys might be like, eh, but I think that this is one of the biggest things. Do you think he will make a good discipler of your children someday? If you look at that guy and you're like, he would not make, be the kind of father that would want to spur children on to be passionate, godly ch- children and disciples someday, like I said, it's a big deal. I can, having three children, I can think of no greater pain than to lose one of my children to Satan. I know this is going to sound whatever, but I would honestly rather lose one of my children to death than to see any of my kids grow up and not have a relationship with God. Like, it is my greatest fear. And I am so incredibly grateful that I'm not doing that on my own, that my kids can look and be like, yeah, dad is passionate, dad is godly, dad's doing, I can look in the Bible and be like, yep, dad's doing those things, dad's striving to be like this. We go back up to our main verse, and it said half of their children didn't know the language of Judah. It doesn't seem like whatever what he was saying is, is they don't know God. Half their kids, like, they were, they were of the culture of the idol worshiping and all that other stuff that everybody talked about up there about what these wicked and evil people were doing. Like, that's what half the kids knew. And I've seen it. I've seen it happen. And it's a big deal. You might be 18 years old and be like, it's, uh, we're not going to have kids. But, you, but if you do, and you, most of you probably will, I am telling you, you want a man who is going to raise those kids to love God passionately and give them every fighting chance they can to have a good relationship with God. And then the last question, what do other mature Christian Friends and family members honestly say about your relationship. And I put honestly in there later because I, because this is a touchy subject and people skirt around it, but you need to go to people and be like, what do you honestly, don't worry about hurting my feelings, care about me like Paul cared about them, like a mother cares for her child. I don't care about hurting my kids' feelings. If I think they're making a mistake, I'm like, you're being a bonehead. Don't do that. That's dumb. Like, please, like, you know, and go to people and be like, what do you honestly think about my relationship? And I'm not saying in a people-pleasing, oh, i got to do everything that people, it's not that. But a lot of times we're blind to those things. And I want you guys to go read any verse pretty much in Proverbs and see what the Bible has to say about what a foolish person and a wise person does. Foolish people don't listen to advice. A foolish person can't take correction. A foolish person thinks he knows better than his own. A wise person will succeed because they listen to the advice of others. Like, it's literally, like, one time I tried to compile the verses for a different lesson, and I was like, I couldn't do it, so I'm just going to tell them to go read Proverbs. Because everything in Proverbs says, if you want to fail, do it all on your own, and don't take the advice of anyone wise. And if you want to succeed, then you should ask a lot of people who know what they're talking about. But for some reason, we come into this area of our life and we're like, stay out of it. I don't want to know. Tell me what I want to hear. Oh, how dare you say that to me? Like, you know, we become very prideful about it. So go to people who are going to be butt ugly honest with you about your relationship. 
And that's one thing that I was talking to some of the people earlier. I'm like, I hate it. I hate having to be this person, but somebody's just got to be the one to do it. Somebody's got to be the one that just ticks people off and tells them what's, you know. And obviously we say these things in love. I'm not saying going around and be like just a hag about stuff. But go to somebody that you do respect who is going to look at things from a biblical perspective and be like, seriously, should I be here? Should I be dating him? You know, this is what's really going on in our life. Have people who are going to hold you accountable. If you guys are not holding each other accountable, the Bible says you do not love each other. Hold each other accountable. You're going off alone a lot by yourself. That is not a good boundary to have. We know what happens. You are hot. You look good. I want to... <laughs> sometimes I look at the girl and I'm like, I'm having a hard time looking at you right now. So please do not go put yourself alone with him because that's just not fair. You know, just making sure that we are, that we're just doing things the way that God says. That we're going counterculture, we're not listening to what, please, like I said, do not listen to what any flipping celebrity tells you. Just, if they say, pretty much my thing is if a celebrity tells me to do it, I'm going to do the opposite of it. Like, because I'm like, I'm not going to do it that way. But please, just be in your word. Find out what God has to say. Get people involved in your life. Because this is totally something that I believe if we turn this tide and our dating relationships become something that is so counterculture, people are going to notice. It's going to make a difference. The biggest thing that I have going for me when I talk to people is my marriage and my family. It is the, it is the biggest light that I have. And then there's like my relationships with my girlfriends. People are like, that's different. That's different. You're secure with each other. You guys can do this. You guys have, you know, this or that. You guys are always going somewhere with these college kids doing stuff. Like, people are interested in it. It means something. The same thing with the kids. Your kids aren't doing this. Your kids are that. Blah, 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 blah. The family has been one of the greatest tools that God has given me to be able to reach out and be a light. And I 100% believe that your guys' dating relationships and future marriages can be that thing that will influence other people's lives, that they'll see and be like, I want that. I want a guy who treats me like that. I want a guy who values me and doesn't, you know, whatever. That I'm not just, you know, the next thing. And I truly believe that we will see a difference in our ministries and our relationships if we can turn that tide and we can be more focused on being purposeful and mission-minded and we can get away from that selfish what pleases me or what feels good in that moment, that instant gratification side. And I think we'll be amazed at what we see God do in, in our relationship and our relationship with whoever we're with and in our ministries. I um, pray we'll be done. Um, dear Heavenly Father, um, Thank you for, um, again, this weekend, thank you for the ladies sitting here and listening to me talk for an hour. I would never want to have to do that. But I'm just incredibly grateful for them, God. I pray that you will give each one of them exactly what they need, God. Whether it be patience right now, whether it be a contentment in what they have, whether it be the courage to stand up and say, this isn't what God wants, and this isn't what's best for me, and this isn't what's best for your purpose, and to maybe end something, if they're maybe a wife, and they're like, I need to, I need to be 
better disciple so I can be a better wife, so that our relationship can be one that's like God. I don't know what it is, but I know that all of us always have something that's heavy on our heart, God. And you're the only one who's in control. But if we submit to you and we surrender and we do what your word says, I know from living it, I know from seeing it played out that your way is the best way, God. So I pray that we're just humble and that we allow you to shape us and mold us. And I pray for the men, God, that you will just be building them up to be strong, loving disciples who are passionate about you, God, and great leaders of these future families. In Jesus' name, amen.